0: Uh, buenos dias. Yo me llamo Señor Corazón. Uh, soy de Canadá. Est- oh, hang on, hang on. Sorry, we're in Canada. So let's start again. I just eat Spanish. Spanish. English. 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 Good morning, everybody. Uh, many of you know me. I'm Barry Hart. Um, I'm with Water Ambassadors. When um, the youth team with Pastor Paul and Brenda, when they were down in Nicaragua doing well repairs, a few of us were in Honduras in a very remote community putting in a water chlorination system in a pastor's house and training school on the east coast on the caribbean and uh interestingly enough they came to us and said well this chlorination stuff works uh we've got a hospital here that's spending gazillions of dollars on bottled water can you help us out and i went and looked at the system and i thought whoa this is a little beyond my capabilities so uh we talked to the pump shop and wade woodward as you know wade and jane are team leaders with water ambassadors and right now, Wade and Jake, his son, they're there in the air heading down to Honduras to chlorinate an entire hospital. Um, so, it, uh, did Jane come out this morning? I don't know if Jane's here. Anyway, pray for the pump shop. This is a, this is a very busy season for them with cottages opening up and, and the freezing melting and all that sort of stuff. And yet, Wade's given up a week with his son to go and do this uh, work for the for the, the folks down in Honduras. Then right after Honduras, uh, this other fellow and I, we went to Colombia. Colombia. Yo mi lleno soy de Colombia. My son-in-law, did you know that? My son-in-law is from Colombia. So we went to this, uh, we met these two fine people here, Helen and Daniel Bravo. And uh, we went first-time water ambassadors has been uh, to Colombia. And we went down there, met these folks, and we started doing water work down there. And then they told me that they were coming to Canada. And I thought, well, come on. So we drag them up here to the uh, to the fine warm climate of uh, Halliburton, and they're going to tell you what they do and who they are. And I'd just like you to give a warm welcome to Daniel and Helen.
1: <laughs> Thank you.
2: <laughs> Good morning. Thank you so much for uh, giving us the opportunity of being this morning here and share with you what is happening in Colombia. Uh, my name is Helen and this is my husband Daniel, as Barry mentioned before. And probably you have heard about Colombia that maybe bad things. <laughs> but uh, today we would like to share a bit more about uh, Colombia. So we have the best coffee in the world. <laughs> Besides what Brazilian people say or probably Peruvian people say. We know that this is true. Uh, (laughs) The second thing is that Colombia is on the equator, so you can find and expect much heat there, especially in our city where we come from, Barranquilla. This is in the north of Colombia. and We have just two seasons, rainy season and warm season. That is all what we have in Barranquilla. Not like here, you have four seasons, but for us it's just two seasons. Uh, that, except in the mountains, like Bogotá is cold. Uh, the mountains help to that. So if you want a cold weather there, you should go to Bogotá. <laughs> and the other good thing we have is that we have the best Spanish accent, as you can hear us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we know that, for example, uh, journalist people, from Colombia at higher to come to United States or Canada to work because we have a really, really good accent, Spanish accent. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, um, despite these all amazing things, uh, if you've seen the news or if you happen to have Netflix and you have seen a TV series called Narcos, then you will know Colombia is in big trouble, uh, and it has been for a long time. Uh, we've had almost 50 years of violence, ongoing violence, since the communist guerrillas started fighting the government. We've had uh, almost three, four generations of people who have known... uh, We don't know a single day of peace in our land. And even though the the security now in our country has improved right now, and it's so secure that you could go there uh, with us, uh, it's still dangerous for a lot of people, especially one of the people who have been most affected by the violence in our country are children and, obviously, teenagers. Uh, people living in poor communities, they don't have access to a good education. They don't have access to uh, opportunities for their future. Many of them don't have parents. They don't have someone who looks after them. And you know what? When people like gangs see these kids, they approach them and say, OK, if you join us, we're going to be your family. And so these kids are in the position of wanting to have a family, wanting to belong to to a place and they found that in the drug groups or the guerrilla groups or the pandillas or the gangs they we have over there. So um so now as as a couple uh growing in a country like that uh, our first thinking is god why are you allowing this happening in our country? Why us? Why do we have to go through all this? Why do we have to suffer all this? And I guess for us it was really important this uh, text of the Bible, and that's why we always uh, shared us this, this when we're doing these presentations because it's important that you understand uh, where we come from. And the word that the Lord gave us in that moment of questioning why this was happening in our country was this. Uh, it's in Acts chapter one, it's verse eight. And it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, the, the context of this text is that the disciples are asking Jesus, okay, you know, we, uh, you know, we know that you are living, but, if, I don't know, you haven't solved the problems that we have over here in Israel. I mean, we've been oppressed, we have injustice, we have violence in our land. Uh, now you are living, so, I don't know what, what's coming next. What's happening next? And Jesus says something that, for the disciples, maybe was surprising for them. It says, "Okay, uh, I'm not going to give you a straight answer. Uh, I'm not going to tell you when everything is going to end, when there's going to be peace. I'm not going to tell you that. That's in my Father's hand. But know this: You are not powerless in this situation. You are not powerless. And that word was like a revelation for our eyes and we saw okay maybe this is happening in our country but with Lord's help we can do something about it. And that's why uh it's really important for us the world says we will receive power. And you will be my witnesses. And now uh as a couple we start to ask, okay Lord, uh where exactly, how are we going to witness to our generation? To a generation that is suffering uh, back in our country. And we start praying about it, uh, we start asking the Lord. And for some reason, he directed us to soccer, to sports. I don't know if you know, about Colombians, we don't have hockey, basketball, and all the sports we have. Uh, I think the only thing we have is soccer, soccer, and we breathe, we eat, and everything we do is about soccer. And we were praying uh, to the Lord about how can we witness, how can we impact our generation, how can we serve? And the Lord pointed us to soccer. And it seems like he was saying, okay, um, so, what do you like to do? Lord, we like soccer, but that's not the question. We're asking, how can we serve our generation? Uh, what do you like to do? Soccer. But what I, I, Lord, I think you're missing the point. What we're trying to do here is get a good strategy to impact our generation. And again, again, time after time, we're directed to that. And, suddenly we realized that the ball, the soccer ball, was a powerful tool in the hands of the Lord. Uh, people who won't go to church, kids that you go to a slum, you go to a poor community, you will invite them to a church and they will probably say no. But it's amazing that when you take a ball, you just go to a park and you don't even have to announce that you're going to play. You're just standing there, you just put the ball in the center of the field and just wait. <laughs> it's, it's that easy, and kids will come and, kids that, and they will come and say, uh, sir. Hello. Uh, are you playing? Yeah, I'm playing. Can I join? Ah, sure. Come on, let's join. Can I uh, ask? Uh, can I tell my friends that there is a game? Yeah, sure. Bring whatever you want, and they will come. We will have a prayer before the meeting, the, before the game after the game, and we will invite them to church, And in that natural way, we share the gospel with them as well. Another thing that is in our hearts is, sorry, I think I was so excited I forgot to see the slides. So. Yeah.
2: The other thing we do is uh, we work with, volunteer, with a volunteer network. So international teams come to Colombia, and we receive them to work together. Uh, we have received uh, groups from the United States, from the UK, from Canada, as the the team we just received in February from Water Ambassadors, to work in different communities uh, and serve vulnerable people in our country. We also work um, in the formation of young Christian leaders, uh, also with uh, these youth mission teams. We have had the opportunity to serve in our local communities with these groups and also to visit other countries and you would ask, why is this? Sometimes young people in Colombia, they are just living in their own community, in their own university or, or a school. I, they, would, they wouldn't imagine what is happening in other parts of the world. So we have been, uh, we had the opportunity to visit Brazil, Venezuela, and you know what happened? Uh, Venezuela is living a big crisis uh, right now. And we had the opportunity to visit Venezuela two months before they closed the border uh, between Colombia and Venezuela. And We had this time with young people. We uh, had a camp. We could serve in vulnerable communities, work with children um, to show the love of God to them. And uh, This was just a great thing that happened just before they closed the border. And the other thing we do, it's a formation of young Christian leaders. So we uh, have young people from our church, but from different churches in our city, Barranquilla. And we have Bible studies with them every week. Uh, so we can go to communities and share the gospel, because we need Bible base to share uh, the gospel. Um, so we provide solid biblical formation with them. Um, because we know this is the next generation not just of our country uh, but from all around the world
1: it's important for us that the next generation of christian leaders in our country are enabled to actually serve to impact those poor communities and that's why we go with them to uh youth uh, mission we go to local communities we go to other countries if we have the opportunity and in that way they are empowered to serve so we don't think of them as as only of oh, people who's going to come after us, but they are an actual uh, part of the church. They are really important right now. So it's not, it's not unusual that like, kids will sometimes lead the service in our church because even though they will commit mistakes, that's the way they will grow up as well. Um, in this youth, uh, mission trip that we've had, uh, we are serving a special community. And the reason that they are special is because they are an indigenous uh, nation, and it's interesting because they don't speak Spanish. They only speak a language called Wayunaiki. The name of the nation is the Wayus, and we want to show you uh, a little bit about them uh, because it's a special community we've gone there, but there is so much to do, and I think you will know some people that are going to appear on the video, so it might be interesting for you to know what the Lord is doing among them as well. For the first time in history, YUs are converting to the gospel. And we have received reports of hundreds of people, entire communities coming to the Lord. And in those communities that Barry visited, uh, we, we all were surprised when the pastor was telling us, uh, every two days they meet and they will come from kilometers around and they have a meeting point. And that meeting point, they will uh, uh, pray, they will uh, ask for the Lord's blessing, they will pray for the land. And it's amazing what God is doing among the YUs, and it's amazing that you are part of that as well. And uh, That's why we are so blessed when ministries like Water Ambassadors come and join us and impact people. Because gospel is not, not just about telling people that God loves them, it's actually doing something for them as and as we explained in the video, the church is God's answer for the world. And if we don't understand that, we're missing a big part of what church is. It's not just about meeting here. It's about reaching uh, the world, that a world that is in need of the Lord. And, well, we are inviting you to come to Colombia. There's a lot of things to do over there. <laughs> And if you want to join us, I'm sure you could talk to Barry. You could talk to us afterwards, and we could figure something out. We really need every help that we can get. So uh, just uh, look at your heart. Just ask the Lord, Lord, uh, what can I give over there? And I'm sure you will find something. To um, well, now comes... Oh, thank you. <laughs> now comes the hard part. I would love to share with you some of the experiences of the Colombian church. Our experiences. And it's based on a well-known Bible text. Uh, it's in Matthew 16, uh, verses 18 and, sorry, verses 16 and 18. And now, before uh, going, before starting, uh, I don't know if you want to do this Colombian style. And you know, <laughs> yes? You know, what Col- you know what Colombian preaching style is? You know when it starts, but you don't know when it ends. <laughs> 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 so it, this could go on forever. So if you had something to do, you left your uh, something cooking at your place, then I, you'd better go to your place and turn the oven off. Because uh, it's going to take long. No, I, I don't think we'll take long. It's just a couple of minutes. But I would love to share uh, with you what the Lord is doing. And especially reflect on this, uh, meditate on this text in Matthew 16, verse 16 and 18. Um, so it says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, sorry for my uh, bad pronunciation. Colombian English is not as sophisticated as Canadian, but we'll make an effort. Says He asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. says, Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Now, some details about this text, well-known text for all of us, is that for the first time in the Bible, Jesus is mentioning that he's going to do something different than else. For the first time, it's mentioned that he's gathering a special people for himself and that people will be eventually called the church. Uh, It's also interesting that he says that church is not the responsibility of the people who is coming. He's saying that first and foremost, that it's his responsibility. And the emphasis on the text is that he will build his church. And the most interesting part is that this church would not only be constituted, but also it will be victorious and it will be so great, so amazing what, this, what the Shuri is going to do that not even hell itself is going to stop them. Now, uh, when you say that Shuri is victorious and that it has it has the power to even go against death itself, then you will think, oh, well, these this kind of people, well, they are something special. But is this true right now for us? We tend to think about the church as, and we hear that a lot in the news. We hear a lot of people saying, for instance, oh, the church is failing. Uh, churches are decreasing. Churches are going down. Uh, this is happening. Uh, we are in a post-Christian society. And it's not just about North America and Europe. I think everywhere we are seeing that apparently church is fading away. So what Jesus says back then, 2,000 years ago, is that true for us as well? Maybe Jesus is failing in his building of his church. Is that what's happening? I think it's interesting because it it's help help us to to face what we are living and trying to understand this. I mean, if we believe that Jesus is building his church and that his church will be victorious even against hell itself, then we have to consider, okay, then what is happening? sure is, is Jesus really failing us? Is he failing what he said he would do? And if you if you think that he is failing then uh, maybe this is not the right place for you to be because then we will be speaking about a God that is powerless to change history. But if you do believe that what Jesus meant was true, if you believe that then obviously we have to consider then, if he is building his church in this world in my own country in Colombia in Canada in the United States in Europe, then how exactly is he doing this and One of the interesting things that about what you can find in the Bible about how Jesus built his church is he chooses unexpected people um, uh, maybe i will, I, will, I will wanted to ask Pastor Paul about this before, but uh, I don't know in his experience what's the most strangest thing about uh, a church history. I mean, what is the most bizarre way Jesus has built a church or a church has started in a community? Well, I don't think that any history could beat the history of our denomination back in Colombia. Because you know what? Do you want to know how Jesus started his church in our region? Do you know? Do you want to know how and when he did it in a brothel? A brothel that was also a bar, and it was owned by a man who didn't even know how to write or read. In that situation, in that place, Jesus began to build his church back then, Colombia. And uh, this guy named Victor, he owned this place and everything, and he had, he even had three women, and he had all the prostitutes at his disposal. And suddenly, someone, for some reason, I don't know, who would bring a Bible into a, into a brothel? But the case was that suddenly he found this book in the uh, in his desk in the brothel. He didn't know how to read or write, so he asked someone, "Okay, can you start reading what this is about?" And suddenly what he heard was so powerful that he eventually decided to close the brothel, close the bar. He basically said, everybody, okay, get out of here. This is not going to be a brothel anymore. This is going to be a church. And at that point, he, it was a remote region in Colombia. He didn't have any contact with a missionary. He didn't even know, okay, what, how do you start a church? How, how do we do this? I mean, who's going to be, uh, the elders? Who are going to be the, the the ushers. I, they didn't know about that. And suddenly a small community of believers start gathering there. And it was so amazing because as they started how to uh, they learn how to read and they will read passages of the scripture I would say, Okay, okay, folks, Jesus is saying here that you have to get up early in the morning to pray. Well, is that what the Bible says? Yes, what's Okay, let's do this. Let's do that exactly. So they go up and pray early in the morning because they didn't reason about it. They just say, if the Bible says so, we have to do it. It says here that Jesus was praying for the sick people. But he was doing that? Yeah. Well, then, then we have to start, we have to start doing exactly that. And now, all this because, uh, it's important to understand how God works with people. And he works through witness sin people who are weak, who recognize themselves weak. I don't know if you could find in your Bibles, First Corinthians uh, chapter one, uh, verses twi- uh, twenty six and twenty nine, it says, uh, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards, not many were influential, not many were noble birth of noble birth. But God's, God chose the foolish, foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. Now, looking at this passage, are you seeing yourself in there? Because this is a big issue. I mean, we tend to think, oh, when we read this passage, oh, we Immediately think about oh maybe South America or Central America or this community I visit, that they are really poor or I will go to Africa in my mind. But are you identifying yourself with this passage over there? Are you recognizing that you are weak, that you are that you need the Lord, or is everything going so well that well maybe yeah maybe the poor that's saying there it's not about me, or maybe the other case would be would be also true that you consider yourself too weak, too sinful, that you say, okay, uh, maybe the poor and the and the weak that it says here, uh, I think that's me, but I don't think God can use me. So it's important because if we acknowledge that we are what the Bible is saying over here, then we understand what, how God is building his church. He's doing it through the people that nobody cares about. He's doing it in a post-Christian society where churches apparently are weak. Well, that's exactly the kind of people, the kind of church that God is using. People who are weak and that they re- recognize themselves as weak. And that he takes that and he uses that for his glory. He has done that in the past. He's going to do that again. But we have to look ourselves here and say, okay, I'm this. I'm the weak. I'm the poor identify, you have, we have to identify ourselves with that truth. I am weak. I am poor. I might have the best house in the whole county, but I am poor. I need God in my life. If we acknowledge that, then we can understand how God is going to use us. Also say that it's using the circumstances. And believe me, it's not so easy when you are a Christian in a small country and they will come and say, okay, the religion is the opium of the people. We are communists. And what you are saying about that Jesus, that Lord, is against everything we believe in. And therefore, you have two options. You have to stop saying that you are a Christian or you will die. Or we will take your home and you will have to live. You will have to be displaced from here. You are a threat to us because you are encouraging people to trust in religion and Jesus and... Uh, fairy tales so you are actually doing wrong to your community it's using the circumstances and believe me it's it's heartbreaking when you see churches when you see the believer houses you go there and you watch those places burn we actually had the opportunity to take uh, Barry to one of those villages and uh, we were describing and he was saying oh what's what's those rings over that and we have to say, yes, those ruins that you are seeing were houses of Christians. So they were taken out of their place, of their homes, and they were burned to the ground. They lost everything, and they had to flee their land. But God used that circumstances to reach people that otherwise wouldn't be reached. Lots of those people arrived to the, to the cities, and they started to come, to go to churches. They started to preach. Even in the face of death, even in the face of, of anguish and everything that was going on with them, God was using those circumstances as well. And we as a church in Colombia understood that it wasn't the government's place to save us or to help us. It wasn't going to be a social movement that was going to help us. I mean, people back in Colombia, Christians were virtually powerless, And you know what? They consider, okay, now what? We have nothing. And now in that moment, they said, we have to look at the Lord. And God uses difficult conditions as that. Maybe in Canada, they won't have, you won't have to face that, but certainly you will face things that are not going well in your country, your society, to teach us, to help us to look again to the Lord. In Deuteronomy says, uh, chapter 8, verse 2, it says, Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you will keep his command. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestor had known to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And I think this is important because God uses circumstances to help us, remind us, to remind us what is important. And we as a church in Colombia, we have to go back and tell, okay, Lord, government is not working, society is not working, people are not defending us, we trust in you and you alone. So folks, society, government are not going to solve our problems as a church. We cannot rely, as Israel did, Oh, we rely on Egypt. They are going to rescue us. And when they were surrounded by their enemies, their last thought was, oh, Egypt is going to save us. They're going to send an army and they're going to save us at last. But that's not what happened. They were destroyed. So society, government, government, marketing is not going to make the church uh, grow up. It's not going to make us a better church. The thing that would make us a better church is to acknowledge is that Jesus is building his church. And that he's using circumstances to help us focus on what is important. Beyond what's happening around us, he wants wants us to look at him. And last, uh, one of the the things Jesus does when he builds his church is he gives us identity and purpose in him. And that's two words that the people right now, they don't have. Those two concepts that make people wonder about. Identity, purpose? We don't even know who we are anymore. We don't have a purpose in life anymore. And for many of the kids in, growing in Colombia, that's the case. They go to school, but they will know, OK, but with this education I'm receiving, I will never get a proper job. I will never get off this community. What's the point in going to a school? Because I know that after that, I'm, I'm not having a job. I'm not having anything. I have to support my family, so what am I going to do? The easiest path is to join a gang. And kids go to gangs searching for those words, identity and purpose. And I think it's not only a problem in Colombia, it's a problem everywhere. People just don't have identity and purpose. So in John chapter 12, uh, verse uh, 26, it says, Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. And now, it's interesting because everywhere, Christians are living lives that are basically telling the Lord, okay, Lord, I have my own plan for my life. And I hope that you go along with me and bless me in everything I'm going to do. But what we see in this text, in this passage, is exactly the opposite. Where I am, then my servant will be also. Then I think the question is not as much as, okay, Lord, um, I don't know what I'm going to do. Could you sh- please show me? But to actually tell the Lord, okay, Lord, uh, I have these plans, but I think you know better than me. So where are you? Uh, and what are you doing in the world? So our question, or basic question should be, where exactly are you? It's not about, okay, I have this plan, join me and I hope you bless me and I think if you are with me, everything will be okay. I guess the question we must ask ourselves is where are you? Our family, our friends, our neighborhood, our community, our country, other countries, where are you? Where do you want us to go? Where do you want us to serve? I think we we live, and this is everywhere, sometimes Christians live self-centered lives where God is supposed to bless you. So basically, he rotates, he goes around you. So you are the center. But the way Jesus built his church is that he is the center. And we must find what's our purpose in what he's doing. So if I'm a follower of Jesus, then where exactly am I going to serve? There's, there's an equivalent. I mean, if you are a follower of Jesus, then you will also serve the Lord so the question for us right now to go to your homes is Lord uh, where exactly are you how can I help I'm here I'm available what are you doing in the world let me see through your eyes let me see where can I go and that's why that's the last thought I want you to take home the Lord chooses you using your circumstances to give you identity and purpose in Him. And in that way, He builds His church now. It doesn't matter the circumstances around. I think the church is living difficult circumstances around the world, but I think we have to look at what's important again. We have to go back to the Bible. We have to search in our hearts, in our minds, and ask the Lord, where are you? What are you doing? Where can I go? How can I serve? And in that way, Jesus built His church. God bless you.